this is Give Me Some Truth. This podcast features appearances from Clint Walkner, Nate Condon, Jonathan Jordan, and myself, Mitch DeWitt, from Walkner Condon Financial Advisors in Madison, Wisconsin. Give Me Some Truth is dedicated to providing an accessible and authentic view into the financial services industry, as well as current events and investment concepts that you can apply in your day-to-day life. Here are your hosts. Some truth. Your hosts today are Jonathan Jordan and Clint Walkner. Hello. How are you guys doing today? We're going to be talking today a little bit about uh, long-term care and touch on some of the some of the issues around it, as well as the different types of long-term care policies that are out there. And I know Clint, in your career, you know, over the last eleven years, twelve years, that you've uh, you've worked with clients in place and policies. So, you know, what are your thoughts on long-term care and, and the need for uh, for our clients in that area? Well, first we'll go with uh, 17 years, but um, oh, sorry. Yeah, there you go, old G over here. Uh, no, and and just to give a little background, I um, when I first started, I worked for MetLife and a small division of MetLife, but um, they had long-term care policies, so I, I got um, trained very well on them. And I think first we take a step back and kind of define what long-term care actually means. Um, and how you kind of go about qualifying for long-term care. And so long-term care, let's just call that senior care uh, in most cases. I mean, you can have long-term care facility stays if you end up having a severe disability. Um, But really, it's care that focuses on chronic illnesses where some of our activities of daily living are impacted. And that care can be provided in a lot of different places. But primarily when people hear long-term care insurance, they think about nursing homes, which is kind of going to the one of the last steps of care. And before that, there can be a lot of other things. There's something called adult daycare facilities, which I never like the word and terminology of that. But, you know, it's, it's an adult facility that some people can go to during the day while somebody perhaps has to work or somebody is doing something and, and, you know, they actually get watched there. And then there's assisted living facilities there. And then in many cases, the care is provided in home where they have somebody come into the home and a nurse may come a day or two a week, or sometimes they live there with them. I mean, it's it's a variety of different care that can get provided in the home. And that's obviously most ideal is to provide the care in the home where somebody's the most comfortable. Yeah. Well, when you talk about those uh, those levels of care too, they're they're different in terms of the activities of daily living that people can, you know, are able to do and help themselves with. I think there's there's a misnomer, you know, b- between, you know, when you get older that you're just going to end up in a nursing home. And having the, the different options of skilled nursing care, assisted living, home care, you know, sometimes you, you may be in a position where you want to be helped, but you want to stay in your home. And, and then there's obviously the nursing home. Long-term care expenses have been going up considerably. And when you think about the demographics of the United States with the baby boomer generation, I think in 2011, you know, the first baby boomers started turning 65. And so over the next 20 to 30 years, you're going to start to see, you know, a big, you know, high increase of number of people that are going to need this care and and the costs go up, you know, considerably. So for those clients that we have that have assets, 
they want to be able to protect those assets and make sure that they protect um, the expenses. That's where the consideration for long-term care insurance uh, versus self-insurance and paying for it as you go uh, comes into play. That's right. It's a matter of you know, whether you want to offset those costs and have the insurance company pick up some of those costs or whether you're going to incur them all yourself. And you know, as you alluded to, Jonathan, as the skill of the nursing care goes up, so does the cost. And as you have more chronic things occur to you, especially cognitively, um, the cost can go up a lot. So if you're in a memory care facility or you, know, you really don't have your faculties very well and you need a lot of care, obviously that gets more and more expensive. I mean... I have personal experience with this. My grandmother, um, unfortunately, has uh, dementia, and uh, you know she's in a pretty rough spot, and so she is in a pretty high level of care. And what I can tell you is that it's extremely expensive. And you know the unfortunate thing is that she's worked all her life, and a lot of that money is going to go towards care, and and there's nothing that she can do about that. I mean, you, you know, you're really she's kind of stuck in the situation where. Um, she did not choose to purchase a policy, um, and you know that was her choice. Uh, she didn't want to incur the cost, and so now she's spending down her assets, and so she chose to self-insure. Other people uh, choose to go out and get their own policies, and there's a number of different ways that you can accomplish this. So um, number one, Jonathan, let's talk a little bit about kind of more traditional long-term care insurance and, and what it actually does for somebody. So um, to start out, everyone pays premiums over a particular period of time when you are healthy and you're underwritten, much like a, a life insurance policy. People are usually familiar with that. You get underwritten. Um, they decide whether or not you're healthy. And the underwriting ramifications are, or the underwriting uh, specifics are a little different from what you can face in a life insurance exam. In life insurance exam, they're really worried about things that are going to kill you. Um, they're worried about heart disease and they're worried about cancer. And it's not that long-term care isn't worried about that too, but they're worried more about chronic conditions. So they're going to underwrite based on um, you know things that are are damaging to joints um, or you know cognitive damage. So they'll oftentimes give them a little bit of a quiz on the phone about recalling things to make sure that the memory is sharp. The other thing that they're going to check on is you know have they seen have they seen uh, you know arthritis and things like that. Um, you know, if you've got rheumatoid arthritis, that's really bad because it's a chronic condition that deteriorates over time. It makes it very hard to move. And, and those tests that you go through, they're not non-invasive. They generally are, you know, 45 minutes to an hour long uh, questionnaire. They come sometimes out to the house and spend some time with you. I do have a funny story around that. I had one of my clients that went in uh, to, to apply for long-term care, felt like it was important through the process of protecting assets. And we talked about all the financial ramifications. This particular client happened to be um, uh, the head of a department for a federal government uh, gun carrying, uh, the air marshals down in Chicago. And uh, so he's trusted to carry a gun and protect us on our planes. Just, you know, very smart individual. And after the, uh, the interview was over, he found out he was rejected for long-term care because they asked, you know, a lot of questions and they did flip cards with like these animals. And they gave him 10 cards, and the first time he repeated all 10 animals, and then five minutes later she asked, you know, how many of those animals can you remember? And he came up with, like, eight of them. And, and then as she was walking out the door, she's like, oh, by the way, uh, do you remember those animals we talked about? How many do you remember? And he's like, I don't know, like a monkey, an elephant. I don't know. I can't remember. And he came up with, like, four. And fail. Her, <laughs> fail. Yeah, well, but that they're looking for things cognitively for your short-term memory and stuff. So uh, that happened to be my father. Now, we went to another long-term care company and, and he was able to get approved and it's an important part of his financial plans. So it's kind of a funny story and he doesn't mind me sharing it, but 
you know, his cognitive level was fine, but he didn't take that test as seriously. He didn't realize what they were necessarily looking for. He thought it was just making sure that he was healthy. Like you said, they're worried about those chronic conditions. Um, One thing as an aside I want to point out to you guys that this traditional long-term care in the state of Wisconsin is, uh, and that's where you pay a premium and you have a coverage amount. There is something in the state of Wisconsin called uh, the the long-term care partnership program. And that partnership program is something that we want to make sure our clients understand that if you were to use the policy for either assisted living or skilled nursing care, if it's paying out, the amount of money that is paid out of the policy, say you paid in 10 years of premiums at $3,000, but you used up $300,000 of benefit, the state sees that as you going out and taking responsibility for your long-term care needs. Because if you do spend your money down, the primary payer for long-term care and only for nursing homes is Medicaid. And so the state is seeing this huge problem down the road is if everybody gifts their money away or spends their money down as opposed to planning for it and leveraging money towards a long-term care policy, it's a great way for you to be able to protect assets. So what will happen is, is they will protect the equal amount of assets that you use up in benefit from your policy. So if you had $300,000 used, you would spend your assets down to $300,000 and that would consider you eligible for Medicaid. But that only works on partnership-protected long-term care plans. And that would be ones that you pay annual premiums for and that have inflation riders on it that continues to allow for that benefit to grow. Generally, the lowest amount that you have is 3%, but some policies will allow you to have 5% growth. This is really important as you're considering this is to make sure that the plan that you have is partnership protected. Yeah, it's really important. And another thing that uh, I think people don't realize, and a lot of advisors don't do a good enough job uh, going and spending the time with their clients to talk through this, if you consider it a long-term care policy that's traditional insurance, um, one thing that I've seen is that people will go and they'll select a daily benefit versus a monthly benefit. And so the issue with that is if somebody actually goes out and gets care, and they get care, call it three days a week, and somebody comes to their home uh, where they want to go, where they want to stay, and that costs $300 for those three days. But your daily benefit is $100 a day. Uh, what will happen is it'll, the insurance company will only pay up to the $100 a day, and they won't aggregate it together. So you'll actually, in my example, if you had three days of care, you have $600 of expense for that week, and uh, you know you got $300 of reimbursement from the insurance company. You had a monthly benefit, and you had three days at three hundred dollars a day, so you got, you know, four weeks at, uh, you know, nine hundred dollars a week. You know, you're in there at thirty six hundred dollars. You'd actually only be responsible for six hundred dollars, and the insurance company would pay three thousand if that was your monthly benefit. Mm-hmm. So it's really important to have somebody that knows this market um, be able to give you advice as far as how you want to structure that. And so between a daily and a monthly benefit, there really isn't much of a difference in premium there. Uh, but it can have a huge difference in how the benefits are paid out. So you really need to work with a trusted professional to be able to identify the type of benefit that you want. And then there's all kinds of shared care situations too, where, you know, you can have a bucket of care between you and your spouse or loved one. And, you know, you can, work it out um, so that you can take from this pool of care uh, for each person because oftentimes one person may end up in a facility a lot longer than the other person and so there's this shared care rider where um, you know it's really beneficial for people yeah and the uh, you know in the years the 10 11 years I've been in the business I've, I've placed long-term care policies with with a number of clients and 
one of the things as we go through the initial process is, you know, we'll talk about what's going to happen if you were to not be able to complete, you know, just two of the seven activity, uh, activities of daily living or if you were to have dementia. Generally, the husband says something like, well, my wife's going to take me out in the backyard and shoot me. I'm <laughs> like, you know, it's not going to happen. It's not going to happen. It's not practical. But there's a fear of spending money on something that you may not ever use. But that is exactly what we do in almost every insurance. You know, if you have auto insurance, but nobody ever hits you and you never hit anybody else, I doubt as you get older, you're just going to decide to go ahead and go hit somebody with your car just to be able to get the money back that you've paid in over the years. The insurance is there as a protection, which is why you can view it as a couple of different things. You could view it as an expense. You could view it as an investment. But I think that it's better viewed as a leverage. And what you're essentially doing is saying that I have enough assets that I want to protect that if something were to happen to me that could last for a number of years that could deplete these assets down, I would rather trade a small amount of money, which is what insurance is, transfer the risk over to the insurance company that they're going to pay out the benefit. So to me, it's a leverage when I present it to clients. It's this is something that I believe that you should pay. And what's important to note here at Walkner Condon, you know, we've made the decision to not to be a fee-only financial advisory firm, wealth management firm, but we don't sell insurance. But we're experts on these policies. They're things that we've done over the years. We can help you to find the people out there that can help to place these policies and, and, and we'll help you to scrub the companies and find the right one. But if we tell a client that we think that this is the right thing for you to look for and tend to look into, you know, there's no conflict of interest in that. We just truly believe that based on what their goals are, that this is the way that you're going to be able to protect those assets and transfer some of that risk. That's exactly right. I mean, that's essentially what you're paying for us, right? You, you know, you have, um, you're paying asset management fees to us. That's an all-encompassing fee that involves the, these sorts of decisions. So please involve us and please utilize us. Uh, I think that some clients sometimes uh, they make decisions without consulting us, or they bring us in halfway through the process when they've already kind of made a decision. Um, you should really involve us as early in the process as possible so we can go through your options. And so let's go through the bad now, right? Let's go through the bad. The bad of the long-term care policies is that they tend to be quite expensive. I mean, from a premium perspective, uh, you know, usually that's a, it's a pretty large bill because, frankly, the benefit that's paid out is large as well. So that is one thing. And we've also seen a shrinkage in the number of carriers that uh, provide these policies. And what's happened is... Uh, when these companies go on claim, people, lo and behold, because they've paid all these years, want to utilize it. Mm -hmm. um, so the utilization rate on it is fairly high. Compared to term insurance, which is about 1%, long-term care is about 75%. Yeah, it's really good for the percentage. Mm -hmm. And that's then they don't exercise it if they die suddenly. But aside from that, I mean, they're going to utilize the policy. And um, in addition to that, we've seen significant premium increases. So if you buy long-term care insurance, you have to be ready for premium increases. And unfortunately, because, you know, like it seems like every year, every other year, your, your auto and home insurance goes up by a little bit and, you know, you just kind of tolerate that. But long-term care, they have to file with the insurance commissioner and get the okay to raise premiums. So when these insurance companies go to the insurance commissioner and do this and, they, and get it approved, usually it's a fairly high rate hike to get the policies kind of caught up. And the reason for this is that the experience that the insurance companies have had, they price these policies a little bit too low in the beginning. And so now they're doing a better job pricing and they're not doing as many, in my opinion, as many um, premium increases. But when they happen, they're usually fairly large. So you got to be ready for that. And that's part of the process too that we go through in, in each year. If there is a rate increase, and clients sometimes get a sticker shock. If you're paying 
$4,000 for a premium and it goes up 10%. One thing to note is it's, it's, you know, it's across the board. It's a, it, every, every rating class is, goes up is the same. So it's not like they're picking you out because they think that you're unhealthy. It's just across the board. It goes up 10%. So that's $400 more. So sometimes clients say, well, I don't, I don't know if I should pay for this anymore. Let us sit down and go through that with you because even though it does cost a little bit more, there's a price to everything that we do and then there's a cost. The price is what you pay and the cost is what it actually costs you. And so if for the next 10 years you pay $400 more because it had gone up 10% or even if it was gone up a couple times, you might spend an extra $6,000 over that 10 years. But if it's going to protect $300,000 on the other side and there's a high likelihood of utilization and we know that we can fit it into your budget it may be an expense that you want to incur. You know, you're going to retain that, um, you know, that policy because you're continuing to transfer that risk. As soon as you stop paying, you're essentially saying, okay, everything else I paid in, I'm done with. So, you know, the idea of it is, is that you have to go into it thinking that this is a good part of your planning for the long term. Um, one thing I do want to touch on too here is we talked about the traditional long-term care policy. There is another type of policy outside of self-insuring, and that is set up more as a um, insurance, you're doing a traditional insurance policy uh, as it would be life insurance. But what it allows you is it has a smaller death benefit on it, but there is the, the living benefit of generally about four years with a monthly benefit average of you know, $4,000 for, for most people that I've seen that they're looking for, for coverage between a couple of, of monthly benefit to help offset the other costs. And this is called a hybrid long-term care policy. And, and one of the nice things about it is, is say you wanted to have um, you know, X amount of coverage for a one-time single premium payment, this is a great way for people to leverage you know, money that is not in your retirement accounts but are in taxable accounts. You know, if you have assets in there of $500,000, you can take 40000 or 50000 of that and get a couple hundred thousand dollars of long-term care benefit with a single premium payment. The nice thing about that is that if you never use it, you get that money back. So there's different percentages. Sometimes people will get 80% back. Sometimes it's 100. That's generally the two numbers. That just depends on how much you want in the benefit on the back end. But that comes as a death benefit to you. Now, what's the actual cost if you never actually had to spend anything? It's the time value of that money. If that $50,000 was earning you know, 7.2%, 20 years from now, it would be worth $200,000. So you would look and say, well, it actually cost you, if, if that's what it was earning, $150,000. But if you were to have in that time period the actual issue at any point during there, you might not have had that money to be able to grow, but you have the pool of money from the insurance company. Yeah, that's that kind of that uh, the user-lose argument that people have. You know, what if I'd never... I pay in this long-term care policy for 20 years, and it's you know $4,000 premium. I mean, that's a lot of money that you're paying into that for a long period of time. And so, therefore, that kind of takes that argument out of there. Um, you do, are underwritten in both cases, in both the long-term care way and then also in the life insurance way. So it's, it's kind of even additional underwriting uh, on those policies. There's also another kind of nuance of those hybrid policies, which I'll – I'll call a little bit more of a traditional um, insurance as well, where it might have like a chronic illness rider on it versus like a hybrid policy. Um, so that's kind of another way that we look at um, that I've used in my career as well. So there's some more options available to people that commonly weren't available in the past, where that's just more of a, an acceleration of a of a death benefit um, to utilize towards long-term care. So there are different ways that we can do this. And, and frankly, this is one of 
the only times that I recommend permanent insurance to people. Um, I, I do like it as a savings vehicle related to long-term care. Uh, you know, it, most people are going to end up using some form of long-term care and it is going to be expensive. So, um, you know, if you want to parse some assets and just kind of take some of those assets, set it aside, here's my long-term care bucket and you want to kind of check a box, um, that's where either of these policies can work. Uh, as far as the life insurance with the long-term care rider um, or the life insurance with uh, more of the hybrid approach, uh, you know, if you want to do that, then you won't ever have face that use or lose. Now, it's not going to be as efficient, and that's why you shouldn't put too much in this, but, you know, there's a happy medium in everything that we do, and, uh, you know, we can help you strike that balance uh, if you want to check that box. You know, if, if everybody in this, in this podcast had $10 million, we wouldn't have to have this conversation at all because you'd have plenty of money to be able to pay for this. And conversely, if everyone on this podcast has, you know, $50,000, we don't have to have this conversation either because you're going to be on Medicaid. But I venture to guess that a lot of people are, you know, somewhere in that, you know, $500,000 to $1.5 million range if you're, you know, on the uh, near retirement. And therefore, you have to do some sort of plan. And no matter what plan, if you choose to do nothing, that's still a long-term care plan. So everybody has a long-term care plan. Um, and you cannot just bury your head in the sand and go, oh, I'll deal with it later because um, now is the time to deal with it. If you are in your 50s, you should be dealing with it now. Uh, if you are in your 60s, you have not run out of time to deal with it. But once you get into your 70s and 80s, it's, it's almost an impossibility. Yeah, and you brought up a great point there. If you have $10 million, you could see yourself as self-insured. But come talk to us or talk, you know, t- you talk to an insurance company and find out what options are available because you may look at it and say, I've got these assets, but I would like to transfer that risk to an insurance company and leverage my money knowing that I'll get it back because people who tend to have assets want to be smart with them. And, and if there's a high likelihood or if you have dementia in your family or if you have you know, things that you feel like you would want to make sure that you had that you had coverage for if you were wanted to have skilled nursing care or home care and those levels, you know, remember Medicaid only pays for nursing home. And it's after you've depleted your assets down, eligible assets down to $2,000 or below. And I believe, I think in states, $2,000. Each state is a little bit different, but for that Medicaid eligibility. Um, Wisconsin is one of the states that does the partnership plan because they're committed to making sure that that they have people out there that have means that are going out there and taking, you know, the responsibility of taking their long-term care on themselves. One other thing I do want to touch on, I get this question a lot, and it's, you know, I feel like there's, there's, you know, like I'm going to have a long-term care issue. I want to make sure that I don't have to deplete my money down. I'd like to start gifting my money to my children or getting the house out of my name, getting any of my assets out of my name so I can get that Medicaid coverage. Well, first off, you know, that as a strategy, you have to remember there's, there's some rules around that when it comes to eligibility for uh, for Medicaid coverage, one of those most important rules is that there's a five-year look-back period on those assets. So if you start gifting your money away because you feel you, are, you, you get diagnosed with dementia and you go into a nursing home two years later, if the money that you've gifted away over that period of time, I mean, they're going to look back and see when these gifts were made. They're going to consider that still a part of your estate. And that could muddy things up for the kids or you know whoever you gave the money to because there's going to be bills that come due because the state is not going to not charge you for those if you didn't do it, you know, through the pr- through the process. But if you want to put a plan together, that you have every right to do it. I think some people, I don't know if you know, you, Clint, you've had these conversations, but some people have a fundamental problem with that. They're saying if you have the assets and you're gifting them away, then you're putting it on the state and the taxpayers and everybody else to pay for that. Um, 
But if you want to put a plan together for making sure that your situation is right, it's okay to have those conversations and have a gifting strategy in place. Just understand all the rules around it and what the risks are to doing it. That's exactly right. I had a family member that that did try to do this where they did an irrevocable uh, trust and, and did some things to try to get around it. And, you know, when it came down to the end of his life, um, they were trying to find out ways to break the trust and still pay for his care because, you know, sometimes uh, they don't, with a Medicaid facility, you have less choice. Uh, so, you know, in order to become Medicaid eligible, it might be a situation where you have no choice of care, you don't have your own room, you'd have to be moved. And so, therefore, it's so difficult for people to, I mean, it's just really easy to say, I'm just going to go on Medi- Medicaid and make it work and I'm going to hide all my assets and everything. It's really hard to do that. And it's it's not really the most practical way to do it. So some people can try to do that and, and work around the system, but it's difficult. Um, you know, I would just say that, uh, you know, plan it out. Yes, you can look at that strategy and find out and educate yourself about what that all means. But let's let's be practical and pragmatic about it. Um, you know, long-term care has a cost to it, and you're probably going to have to pay for it. And let's figure out a way to pay for it. So for everybody out there listening, we want to thank you guys for listening today. We know there may be some questions. We want to encourage you to reach out to us. Every single client that we have, that we have the honor to work for, this is a topic at some point in their lives that we want to discuss and make sure that you understand. And we're going to stay on top of any changes that happen in the industry. So we want to thank you for tuning in to another episode of Give Me Some Truth, and I hope that you have a great day. Advisory services are offered through Walkner Condon Financial Advisors, LLC, a registered investment advisor in the states of Wisconsin and Texas. Clint Walkner, Nate Condon, Jonathan Jordan, and Mitch DeWitt are investment advisor representatives of Walkner Condon. Guests on the podcast are not registered, and their participation in the podcast are limited to unregistered activities and will not be providing any advice that is investment-related, nor should any comments that guests make should be construed as giving investment advice. Content should not be viewed as an offer to buy or sell any securities mentioned or as legal or tax advice. You should always consult an attorney or tax professional regarding your specific legal or tax situation. Walkner Condon Financial Advisors, LLC, is not engaged in the practice of law. Whenever you invest, you are at risk of loss of principal as the market does fluctuate. Past performance is not indicative of future results. Purchases are subject to suitability. This requires a review of an investor's objective, risk tolerance, and time horizon. Investing always involves risk and possible loss of capital. Long-term care, estate planning, insurance products, and tax advice are not offered through Walkner Condon Financial Advisors, LLC. Walkner Condon works on a best efforts basis and does not guarantee any results. Past performance does not represent future results. Please see walknercondon.com for additional disclosures.